Bevan presents Throughline Thursdays with Neha Malhotra. Hi everyone, welcome to Throughline Thursday. Thank you so much for joining. Today's guest is Travis Killian. He is the VP of e-commerce at Vitamin World. Prior to Vitamin World, he was director of product management at Albertsons. Travis has worked in tech, product management, and business. He has worked with small companies and large. Today, he will talk about his own personal multidimensional leadership style. Being multidimensional allows his teams to work better and have more satisfying outcomes. Something that I felt was very profound um, when I spoke to him earlier was when he said that his sense of self now includes his team. Travis, welcome to Throughline. Thanks, Neha. Glad to be here. I think uh, we are missing Travis. Or missing me? I, I show up for me. Just give it a minute, everyone. He should be on. Hi, Travis. Hey, I had to turn video on and off again, so I'm still here now. Got me? All right. Yes, I can see you. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Doing good. Thank you for um, coming to Throughline. Thank you so much for being our guest today. Absolutely. Glad to be here. How has it been for you in this unique, unprecedented time in the midst of a pandemic? <laughs> well, it, it's definitely been challenging. I started Vitamin World on March 17th to turn around a declining business, you know, in e-commerce sense. And uh, instead of e-commerce being the future, it became today as our regular retail stores were hit really hard by, by COVID and the pandemic. And beyond work, it's impacted my personal life. You know, I have kids and they're no longer to attend all the activities that they're used to going to. And honestly, at this point, it feels like we took them for granted. And with the isolations made it very clear that not only do, uh, do I enjoy the company of others, but I actually have, you know, the need to to engage with others. So it's definitely helped change my perspective in this challenging time. Yeah, absolutely. It's been hard on the on the kids. Um, I completely agree. And on the parents as well. Um, you have had such a unique career journey. Please tell us about your career journey. Well, to kind of start off, right, I think the best way to beginning point is to say, say that like in high school, I was asked what I wanted to do for a career. And I didn't have a definitive answer, like precise. I said something with computers. And, you know, I've had a strong curiosity about how things work. And yeah, I had several jobs before, kind of before I got into computers. But my career really started where I, I was, a, you know, worked on in, essentially at a medical company that was building a network with early Internet technologies. And for the company, I assembled computers, installed software, ran cables, trained trainers, and I did any, any and every job they'd ask me because I was really looking to learn and figure out what the something was that I wanted to do with computers. I definitely learned, for example, that running cables was not what I aspired to do right as my future career path. But one day they called us all together and they had this meeting and they gave us our final paychecks and they said the company's bankrupt, good luck. And then it was kind of shocking because everything that had been so important in the company suddenly didn't matter anymore. And at the time I'd been working there full time and I was going to college. So it was definitely a full load. And I wound up uh, getting a, a job at a technical training company 
where I wound up flying around the United States teaching internet classes. I even got to go to DARPA, you know, the people that invented the internet and teach some people there about it. Of course, it was not the inventors themselves, but you know, the lack of information on the internet at that point meant that I was doing a lot of work in order to write classes and to create content and then to deliver that. And it took, you know, oftentimes 90 hours a week and lots of traveling. And so while I did that for about three years, it got to a point where I really had lost my work-life balance, college had stopped, and I just had no time for, for really anything other than my focusing on the job. And uh, the exposure that, that uh, I received you know, by flying around also gave me opportunities to pick up consulting work. And then I wound up switching to that and started my own company so that I had my own web design company in the early 2000s. But uh, after a couple of years, you know, I wound up closing shop. It was a great experience, but at the time, you know, the bubble was bursting and everyone expected like everything from the internet. And yet it was all supposed to be free. So pricing was a challenge and it was an, an amazing experience, but it just wasn't as successful as I wanted. It also taught me a critical lesson that I wanted a, a product more than a service where I could only generate more income based off of me putting in more time. And so I switched to, you know, a company that had a product in big data, and that was Realtor.com. And I spent you know, nearly a decade there, but I spent time as an IT developer, project manager, tester, and ultimately technical manager and worked my way up to, you know, to a, where I was acting director for a while. And it really helped expand my understanding of technology, of methodology, processes. And I went through like, you know, 10 rounds of layoffs, lots of reorgs. So it also helped me learn a lot about how culture works and how you can disrupt things with and having unintended uh, consequences. And then I was approached by a startup company in the Bay Area where I got to be the second hire um, on a team to build new technology for real estate and creating home price indexes and rental indexes and even a proprietary home score um, to tell you which homes would be more likely to appreciate. And in that role, I got a lot more touch, not just with technology, but with running operational activities, customer care, design teams, and the aspects of e-com. And it became clear to me that I was, you know, while good as a technologist, I was better at on the product side and at managing business. And ultimately, I had a the tough call to make because the startup didn't seem to be going anywhere. So I took, um, I took and switched my career. I went from being, you know, on really in the technology onto product management and on the business side. And that too was eye-opening because it helped me realize how to work with technologists when you're outside of technology and that running too far down the funnel with them only gets in the way, even though initially I thought it would be helpful. So I had to refocus on how to do my job and not, you know, over-index on what I had already known from my previous work in technology. But ultimately that commute was too much. It took a lot of time. So I looked for a job closer to home and I wound up at Safeway and I went from a small startup, you know, to a medium startup. And now at Safeway, I went to, you know, one of the biggest companies in the United States with over 250,000 employees. And there I worked on the integration of Internet technologies into retail. And whether that's loyalty or e-com, whether that's the website or the app or coupon management systems or email or registration platforms, I worked on all those different things to help modernize the Safeway platform, but ultimately I wanted a bigger leadership role. And that's when I decided to come to Vitamin World because they reached out to me. And uh, that's where I started, uh, you know, like, like I had mentioned in March of this year. 
Thank you for for sharing, um, you know, uh, your career journey with us. You said that your sense of self now includes, um, you know, your team. Um, can you share a story about how um, your leadership style has evolved? Yeah, I'd say one thing as a tenant that helped me early on was I spent some time at a, at a you know at a camp when I was as a younger teenager and up through that time I eventually became a counselor, and being the leader of like of nine boys, you know, they're, you're trying to get to work together. You know, a lot of it was a commanding leadership style, but it helped me to get an inkling that intrinsic behavior is more powerful than extrinsic because when I wasn't there, they wouldn't do what I asked. So I didn't know how to be an intrinsic leader, right? Or how to be multidimensional if you think about governing a lot more aspects than just saying what I needed. But it was a it was a it was kind of like a sliver in the back of my mind that I kept teasing with. And you know, as I progressed in my career and functioned as a boss, I've tried, you know, to force partnerships with my subordinates, right? To help them understand my goals, to understand their goals. But at a certain time, it was almost like it was initially more like I was doing it just to get them to do what I wanted. But over time, right, I've learned that it's important to, to truly understand how they function, to understand what their goals are, right, in order to drive for better success overall for the whole team, because different people can accomplish different results in different ways. So, for example, while I was at Realtor, right, I had another realization. And that was while you could get your team aligned and deliver a good solution, if you don't have alignment with partnerships and if you don't have alignment with other you know, constituents in the company, that realistically, while you can deliver a great result and everyone you're talking to agrees with you, it doesn't mean the larger organization would in fact agree. And my lesson was it could actually be seen as a failure, even though we produce something great. So then I had to go, well, why would that be, the be seen as a failure? And then the, the realization was, because people don't see the world the way it is, they see the world the way they are. I mean, everyone filters their experiences to their own, you know, and what they see through their own feelings, their own thoughts, and their own senses. And even, even as we're communicating, about 80% of the time we can understand each other, which means there's about 20% that we don't. So it's important to be really crisp on communication and to drive towards an understanding and to make sure people are aligned and understand that. And if you can't take on the dimensions of you know, individual goals and company goals and department goals and constraints they have, be it funding or human resources, you could design a perfect solution which can't actually be delivered. And to help that, I think there's two key things I would recommend. One is be clear about your commitments. And I really like what's called OKRs or objectives and key results because they clearly map out what you're gonna accomplish and how you measure it. But you also need to make time for personal connections. Right, because you can't do it all yourself. Everyone's heard the it's what you it's who you know, not what you know. Personally, it's a, I think it's really a strong combination. But the point is, you need to make those personal connections and those partnerships so that you can actually accomplish your results. Again, back to the previous conversation, we don't do this independently, right? And to stress something that helps me throughout this, to keep making sure that I'm doing my due diligence, keep being curious, look at things from as many perspectives as you can and have a sense of purpose so you keep working at it and working at it like anything you want to accomplish working at it over and over over a period of time you learn more you produce more and you get better at it yeah and you talked about sense of purpose and also you've talked about um you know that you have to have curiosity and it has to have some defined purpose um tell us more about how and why your purpose evolved 
Well, for me, the first part was really easy. You know, I grew up poor. I was on welfare, lived in homeless shelters and cars, all that kind of stuff. And you can imagine it was challenging. And also you can see how growing up poor, the logical conclusion is that money will make life work. So for me, originally, it was all about money, right? And as I stated, I ran my own company for a while. And just before then, I went back to the boys camp to be a counselor. And this time, I, I basically volunteered my paycheck back to them. But while I was there and everyone had the normal money conversations, how much I'm making, how it's not enough, I was freed from it in the camp context. And it's the first time I'd ever had that experience. So it was, it was very strange, but it also piqued my curiosity because if it wasn't all about money, which had been my driving purpose, what was it about, right? And so at one point then, as I'd had my campers and we're out backpacking, I'm sitting on a big rock in the, in the Kern River, watching my campers go, just thinking about some of this. And there's an old hiker goes by, said hi to us and kept going. And it started making me wonder about age and about the same conversation I was in. And what would my purpose be when I was later? And I thought, well, what would, my, what would I be like on my deathbed? And what would I wish that I had done in my life? And, and those thoughts really kind of hit me strong because I didn't have a good answer. But it made me really wonder, am I going to be wishing I'd made more money? And the answer was realizing, no, it's not going to be about that. So I was left kind of unsettled. My purpose was in question. And, and while it was like a lightning strike saying, hey, I, it's not about money, there was no second lightning strike going, here's the answer. It left me with a, an inquiry that I had to wrestle with for a time. In hindsight, right, purpose to me is something that ignites my internal passion, allows me to be a force of nature. And it's that bootstrap when I don't want to do what I need to do, where I still do it because I have a bigger commitment than right, just what, what's available in front of me. And it, it, now, as I've also had learned, purpose changes as we evolve. And like after that experience, while I was struggling for what's my purpose now, you know, at the time I'd been, my girlfriend and I had broken up. Uh, after this after this insight, we got back together again. Today we're married. We have a great relationship and a couple of kids, right? I also reduced my hours. I started changed my company and I started a new company. So it gave me enough to realize that it was more about a, a balanced life and it was more about being successful, not just in money, but I, in my vision at the time, also creating a successful company. So don't be afraid to change who you are. When you know, The human species is adaptable. What we have to do is to embody the learnings. And just like in muscle memory or neuroplasticity, if you're wired a certain way and you realize you need to change, just realize you have to put usually, in my mind, usually more energy into it than you put, you know, than you put into getting there in the first place so that you can actually change that and evolve who you are. So purpose will keep going. And that curiosity to me is something that helps keep it alive and keeps expanding it and finding new ways of expressing it. Yeah. Thank you for that perspective. And, you know, also how you started, um, you know, your, your journey, your, you know, um, your personal journey and the struggles. Um, it, it's, yeah, it's definitely very, very inspiring. So so thank you for sharing that, uh, Travis. Um, I want to ask you, um, we've talked about this earlier. Um, we have to grapple with more change now than ever before in history. Why has the ability to unlearn and adaptability become so important? That's a great question and very timely. It, it seems to me that everyone has knowledge of how we could do things better, especially in health and well-being, for example. Yet most of us, fairly consistently choose to do things that are, you know, not exactly aligned to that health. 
you know, like getting the exercise we know we should be, not eating that other piece of cake, not having another drink of alcohol, right? Because we've learned how delicious cake is or how alcohol helps us relieve stress, but we also know it comes at a cost, right? So this is where you have to start finding how to how to find your own balance. And, you know, and that's, a, that's part of the journey, right? I mean, in some cases, some people get addicted to alcohol in the very first drink, and now it's very difficult to get out of it. And other times, maybe they love that cake, but gluten's a problem, and now they can't have it anymore, right? But the things also happen in a business context. What if someone you're working on gets promoted, and suddenly they behave differently? What if you have a great product you manage, and it stops selling? What if people are laid off, and suddenly you have a lot more responsibility, right? As these things happen, you have to adapt to the situation which also oftentimes incurs changing a habit or something you have or, or, or unlearning something. In, in, in the cases when that happens, you're favoring something new. So you have to have the ability to adapt and surpass that challenge or it will defeat you. But what if it's already defeated you, right? The game must go on. So you have to get up, learn that lesson, you know, find your purpose, adapt and move on again, right? So it's a constant that, that things keep evolving. Now it seems change is more frequent. You know, COVID hitting and going to the grocery store becoming like a medical procedure, not being able to get um, things that I'm used to, not being able to go out and have dinner with a bunch of people that we're used to, right? And so you have to learn some of these new ways of behaving or, you know, and I'm just used to being without a mask. Now I got to learn to put that mask on, right? Things change. Yeah. And then through this, you need to be reflective about who you are and the situation you're in so that you can keep pushing things in the in the right direction um, based off of what you're committed to. And in business, right, this, the technologies that are changing, the business structures that are changing, we have to keep get, getting better at how we you know, adapt to situations in order to help our organizations, you know, our families, our, our social bubbles, to help all of them progress in, in the direction that we're committed to. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, the adaptability quotient is so important, as important as IQ, EQ, um, and just always kind of overriding what we already know with the new information. Right. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it's just kind of the mind practicing simulation about what if this happens, what if this happens? Um, so like more exploration. Um, you have such a high IQ that you know, helps build teams. Um, any advice that you'd like to dish out to budding leaders? Well, yeah, I think the IQ comes along with a, a strong EQ, right? Because you need to understand how to empathetically connect to people. So in one hand, you know, having intellect will get you so far, but at the same time, you also have to have that emotional connection. You have to understand what's happening with people because that's really the secret sauce for managing them. Because without people, we can't achieve success, right? And so the way people are treated matters a lot. And in order to hold them accountable you, and, and make requests of people, you have to have an efficient structure for that to work. So keep in mind, leadership is, it's not a destination. It's a style of, call it beingness, right? And back to adapting, we also have to keep evolving. So we have to be mindful, right, of like when we make bad or short-sighted decisions and how to how to get better at that. In my personal experience, it's usually because my ego's gotten a hold of me and is large and in charge, and I'm not really being empathetic towards others, right? I'm not displaying great leadership. I'm kind of more on the basics of the me, me, me type of a conversation. So keep being aware of it, and you have to be reflective. And importantly, right, as you know, leadership is about getting others to achieve the results that you need, 
you need to make sure you're very clear. So like I mentioned, objectives and key results, they need to be clearly spelled out because that gives you the structure, right? And then you apply a relationship, right? That actually helps you to more connect to them because leadership isn't just about leading the employees you're working with. It's about advocating your group as well. It's about understanding where the company's going and how to help move in that direction. But also it's important to understand that leadership is contextual. If you change to a new company and you were previously an amazing leader, it doesn't mean you're walking in as an amazing leader now. You have to understand what's different in the new environment, who are the constituents, how do they get things done, and then get into that process and begin to organically evolve and move it, not top-down necessarily or bottoms-up, but using bottoms-up, top-down, middle-out, whichever one is appropriate given the context you find yourself in. Absolutely. You got to kind of figure out what makes your team tick. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, also, um, you know, give us some advice, um, you know, to or how to develop a more meaningful, multidimensional approach, um, you know, to, to or someone who's, you know, looking to develop a more meaningful, multidimensional approach to their uh, work. Yeah. I, so first I want to say this, like there's a lot of people, when you first start a job, you want to really be engrossed in the job. And my recommendation is early on, just focus on the job because while you're needing to prove yourself, there's certain results are being expected. At a certain point, once you get beyond that and you've got a good baseline, it's now your, I call it an obligation to take those blinders off and to see what's happening, right? Because while you have roles and responsibilities, you're a, a cog in the machine. Said another way, you're one piece of the puzzle that is the organization you belong to. And to make the team or the, or the company work effectively, you need to know what's going on around you. Because getting blindsided is never fun and oftentimes can be quite detrimental. And most of the blindsiding incidents could have been avoided if you'd paid attention to other currents, right? Of what's going on in the company, other initiatives, New people are coming in, what are they doing, right? Oh, we have a new AI team. How are they gonna impact you? So a leader is looking at these hypothetical situations that could be occurring and say, what, what could happen as a result of these things? And then putting out you know, the, an investment. It doesn't say forget your core, right? But it says, keep your core going, but keep managing the sphere of influence around you, right? So while you're at work, keep building that network, keep trying new things. Keep the opportunities going to learn something, to, to engage somebody, and to offer some help, right? So keep building that network so you have the feedback loops to understand what's going on, so you can support your team and direct them where they need to be going. And sometimes you, there's really amazing low-hanging fruit, quick wins that you'll see this way to help out, even if it's beyond what your normal team does in order to make the company more successful. Because a successful team if it's in an unsuccessful company, it's still not gratifying and you still feel like you're getting pulled down. But it's also important to keep the balance, right? Now in my mind to keep it fresh, to keep my EQ and my IQ both working at better levels, you need to be a balanced person. Like I've spent, especially in my early career, working till late or early AM fixing bugs or working on financial models and I just couldn't solve it. Finally exhausted, I go to sleep and then the next day I fix it in 20 minutes half an hour, right? And it, so it really taught me that like Pythagoras or like Da Vinci, there is a mind-body connection. So paying attention to your sleep, your exercise, your eating, right? Your breathing. These are all things that are important to make sure you bring as much as you can to the work you're doing. 
And it's more important to put in high quality hours than high quantity. At least that was my experience that I get by, by spending in a bunch of time that didn't produce much results. And then as you work on this, you begin to see all sides of the elephant, right? And then as you are able to understand more of what's happening from technology or business, and you're understanding what you're, you're doing from a product management or maybe a tester, whichever role you have, the more you understand, the more potential you will have for, for career changes as you discover your talents and to offering up you know, value to the company where you're in, which just leads to more learning. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more, especially the point about sleep. That is so important. And one of the great, um, you know, positive things about COVID for me has been better sleep and tracking my sleep and, you know, eating my meals with my family. And that's given me so much happiness. And I feel like yeah. my productivity is higher for sure. Um, Beautiful. Thank, yeah. Thank you for sharing that perspective. Again, it, it is it is so valuable. Um, any books that you recommend, Travis, that have shaped you intellectually or your leadership style? Lots, but let's try to boil it down to maybe three that are like top of mind. The first one I would say is First Break All the Rules. We're talking leadership. And in leadership, it's a really good book that speaks to, like I had mentioned previously, finding out what my talent was. Definitely not as a singer, not as an artist. I'm okay as a developer, but I'm far better at like product management or business where I had to figure out a bunch of unknowns and define those in the variables that others can take. So this book has a definition on talent and on different talents. And I think it's very helpful for a leader to have that to understand because a talent is effectively the behaviors a person does ongoingly. It's how your brain wires itself and what seems more automatic for you. And you want to invest where you have talent, quite frankly, and not where you're weak. The next one is uh, good to great. Because if you look at books, you know, this is one that talks about taking a company and, you know, and makes it from what is a, a good company to a great company and how do great companies function? What's a model for a great company? Like you see startups that have this hockey stick curve of growth, but there's almost always a long trail before that. What did they do to go from crawling to walking to running? And ultimately it's about building that silent inertia in the company, your teamwork, your collaboration, right? All those dimensions of the company working together so it takes less effort to create better results. And then the third one, yeah, Reality is Broken. It's a book that talks about gamification and about how we've used that throughout history. When you talk about having like EQ with, a, with, a, with, a, with an employee or with a customer, you know, this is a great framework to understand that, you know, these, this, the construct of a game, it, you know, freedom of choice, you have to choose to do it, right? It needs to have clear feedback mechanism. There has to be clearly defined rules, right? There's criteria for what a game is. And when you start to realize what it is, you realize that most social constructs are similar to a game. We just forget a couple elements. And when you bring some of that in, like we're seeing like on games, gamify or you know, apps that gamify, right? It really can help drive a much better experience, um, especially in the digital arenas as well. So I would call those, those are the top three recommendations that I'd have. Great, I wanna check it out. We have some comments coming in. Anuj uh, says, this is so powerful, thank you. Um, if you guys have any questions, please uh, post on the chat box. Um, I'm gonna to get to the last question. Um, so Travis, what's the through line in your career? What has remained the same while everything else seems to have changed around you? Um. I'd say that you know, kind of a little bit on the on the realities broken conversation. It's understanding where I have talent, 
because while I'm not the best right at doing certain things, I'm definitely better at doing others. So the through line for me is to you kind of back to know yourself, right? Keep figuring out what works for you. How are you able to produce better results? Because in, in a highly competitive environment, it's important to shine, right? Learn from others, but find out your unique way of delivering results. In a highly cooperative environment, it's important to bring yourself with the team, but you still want to be a strong contributor, right? And so it's while you have the ability to just, you know, kind of to, to, to collaborate and to make a difference, you want to make as big a difference as you can, and ideally with the minimal amount of effort. And so I believe working hard is important, but working smart is just as important, if not more so. Yeah. And you had mentioned it's, you know, kind of knowing yourself and also how do you make a dent in the universe? Like, how, yes. do, how do I make my dent in the universe? Um, I love that saying from Steve Jobs, right? Make the dent yeah. in the universe because there's, there's you know, the ability to deliver something is, is one thing. But when that something makes a difference in millions of people's lives, right? Like it's Safeway bringing a rewards platform available to use at gas stations beyond just like the, the 300 they own, but at over 5,000 other stations. Suddenly, a lot of people were like, "This is great because I can better afford that that vacation trip that I can do." Or, you know, they had all the, all lots of feedback on how it affected their lives suddenly because they had a new mechanism for saving money, right, and reducing those gas costs, especially in summer when it would tend to tend to peak. Yeah, yeah. We have some questions coming from the audience. Uh, Rachel wants to ask you, how do you go about uncovering the goals of people on your team? Sure. So I think on there's two dimensions to it. One is the objectives you set as leadership. So on leadership and, and rolling all the goals up and all the objectives takes a ton of work. Keep it real simple. And also keep objectives into something that is tangible for you. So you could set an objective that's increased sales. But that's a derivative of so many things. So instead, I would say, what's in your in your wheelhouse? What can you directly affect? So let's say you work on the email team. It could very well be increase the number of emails that we're sending to at a velocity of 10% per week. And we know that will affect sales. So you want it set for key results that are really focused in that you can tangibly make an impact. Knowing the overarching wants to increase sales, but you can't predict like their open rates and click-through rates, but you can say, I'm gonna get more people in, and the more people we have, the more it will drive it. So at the business level, the goals are, need to be set with very clear, specific objectives that that individual can control. Otherwise, if it's out of your hands, that's hard to hold somebody accountable on one dimension. On the other dimension, you just have to have a conversation that would be, hey, Neha, glad that you're on my team. What is it you're looking to get out of our partnership, say, over the next year, right? And it's a conversation. And some people will be like, "Bam, I got this," and some are like, "Well, I don't know." So, so you take them at their own pace, but get them into a conversation that gives them enough structure to say, "I, as an individual, hope to be able to look like this in a year." If I, it could be a specific skill, I'm going to learn HTML, or maybe it's something a little fuzzier. If I want to be able to have built a really good business case or financial model, or I want to be able to, you know, like if it's a brand new product manager. I want to do an opportunity assessment that, that goes before everybody else and I get high ratings, right? So you need to find out, again, specific actions that they can do that leads to results. And then, then they commit to it. And then you have conversations about how you're progressing. And this is not like a weekly conversation, but it's also not a yearly conversation. It needs to be something that fits the cadence you're in 
at least probably monthly or quarterly, right? To make sure. And then if something happens, bad or good, give immediate feedback. Let them learn as quick as possible. So your job as a manager is to almost force the learning in that progression towards that result. Yeah, that that is so valuable. I feel that that gets lost in the transactions, the everyday work and just having these conversations and having these clear goals. It's it's super important. So thank you for shedding light on that. Um, sure. Rah- yeah, Rahul wants to ask you as a team member, if you realize that few team members are bringing the whole team's morale down, how to deal with those individuals? I guess also as a leader, you know, if you feel like someone's kind of bringing the whole team down, how do you deal with that scenario? So in, in my mind, I think of it almost as like, you know, Albert Einstein says E equals MC squared, which is a way of saying if anything is everything is energy. So if somebody, and, and as a leader, a lot of what I want to focus is on the good to great, that inertia is getting all that energy, all of it working together. So if I'm thinking I'm doing a great job and somebody else is thinking this is terrible, I'm always concerned, their energy is going contrary to what you're trying to do. So it, there's two aspects of it, right? One of which is you have an engaging conversation to make sure, hey, like on the individual level, whether you're their boss or not, you have to have a different approach but it, versus being their peer. But it's like, hey, I saw Neha that you, that, you know, that, is everything okay? I see a challenge. Being interested and letting someone at least voice something. Now, my wife has taught me my job isn't always to fix things, even though that tends to be my MO. Sometimes <laughs> I just have to listen. So you have to gauge the situation and, and find out what's going on. And then if there's possible to partner with them, then great, find a way to do so. Or if not, help them seek the help they need, right? So a lot of it is just be an advocate of change and to be a good supporter for them and treat them again like they like to be treated. But as a boss, you have to take it more seriously, right? And in that case, it's going back to their goals and their commitments. And once you have alignment there, that's your foundation. If you don't have an alignment like that and they don't have a commitment, and it's going to be really hard to motivate them, especially intrinsically, right? So from that perspective, you also make it clear, like, you're, you're a valued member of this team. I want to help you as much as I can to help lift you up so you can lift the team, especially if it's someone senior or if it's new. Go, hey, it's okay. You relieve some of the pressure. Let them know it's, it's safe to fail and make sure they don't feel like they're being strung out to dry or they're going to have to walk the plank. So based on the conversation, it's either a fear or something that's stopping them, Right. Or it, maybe it's a situation that needs to be resolved, but you got to get to the root of it. And once you get there, in my experience, 80% of the time, the person can self-solve it, but they have to have a distinction and you can bring op- options. What about this? What about that? Right? So it's a very action oriented solution and raising the awareness that I'm aware this is happening and this is a problem for me as your boss. Right? So, but you put it in terms like that. So they have to realize that you're going to hold them accountable just like producing a report to, to changing the way they behave, right? And I'm assuming this is non-HR related. We're not crossing that line. You're just crossing the line of, right? But some of it also is that that's why it's important to be able to, in previous days, go out to lunch together, go out as a team and have drinks or go to an event. It's important to do some of those things as well. So the barrier will drop when people are having more difficult personal issues. If you don't make it safe like that and have a connection, it's going to be much harder to bridge that gap. Yeah, it's it starts from a place of empathy. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Travis. We have some comments here. Suva says it's very inspiring, very inspiring session. Thank you, Travis. 
um, and Team Bay One. Um, Sujata is saying thank you, Travis and Baywin, for this wonderful webinar. Um, Anuj also agrees with you. Communication is so important in having a tight feedback loop. Um, yep. Thank you for coming on and sharing your multidimensional leadership style, which I feel is, you know, it, it starts with empathy, you know, humility. Um, and respect. So thank you for shedding light on that. I really, really appreciate your time. Oh, great. Happy to share. Thanks for having me. You are so welcome. Um, a quote that, you know, um, that comes to mind is humility is not thinking less of us, but thinking less about us. Um, with that, it's a wrap. Please join us next for Tech Talk Tuesdays. We have Brian Wiggins, uh, Supplier Diversity uh, Program Leader. Um, he will be talking to Hanita. So please um, make sure you tune in. Thank you and have a great tune in. Thank you and have a great weekend. Thank you for listening. To view our webinars and snippets, visit our YouTube channel, Bay One, The Future Works Here. You can also visit our website, www.bayone.com, or follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Thank you once again.